You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. Week three is here, and it's time for Hawk Talk Preview. The Seahawks are playing the Minnesota Vikings this week, looking to bounce back. As usual, it's Michael Bumpus. I'm here with NASA Choby. NASA's going to hit us with these injury updates. Overall, pretty solid injury update from head coach Pete Carroll. Brian Monet was inactive against the Titans last week, but is making progress. His strength is really coming back. And uh, um, from what I heard today, they tested him for the first time in three or four days. And uh, so I I don't know what that means yet, but um, his strength came way back from where it was. So he's feeling much better. We've got to find out if that's enough to let him play. I don't know yet. Pete Carroll also gave an update on Brandon Shell, DK Metcalf, and Rashad Penny. First with Brandon Shell. He's he's still a little sore right now. He won't go today. We'll, we'll see what happens as we go day to day here. What about um, He's he's running and uh, he's gonna it, he won't make it this week um, unless it's a real surprise at the end of the week it, due to the the process that he has to make uh, on ground running and all that. DK is still okay. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he's going today. All right, Bump, like you mentioned, the Seahawks are taking on the 0-2 Minnesota Vikings. Who's next? Go! Who's next? Go! 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 Who's next? The Vikings had a rough start to the season, starting 0-2 in two heartbreaking losses in tough fashion. They lose 27-24 to the Cincinnati Bengals in overtime. Also dropped a tough game last week, 34-33 to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, week one, I mentioned they lost in a heartbreaker to the Bengals. They were down 14 in the second half, scratched, clawed, fought their way back, needed a 53-yard field goal to send the game into overtime. They got it. In overtime, Dalvin Cook had a critical fumble that led to the uh, excuse me, led to the Bengals game-winning field goal in overtime. Vikings had to overcome lots of mistakes. They were penalized 12 times for 116 yards, four penalties bump on the first eight plays. So couldn't have started any worse. Last week, week two, the pain continued for those Vikings. They took on a tough Cardinals team, coming off a big win over the Titans. Mm. But, Bump, let me tell you something, man. How this game ended (laughs) is painful. So the Vikings are lining up for a 37-yard field goal with the game on the line. High snap, put down. Joseph, come on! It is good! No, he missed it! Are you kidding me? He missed it right. He missed it right. Oh, my heavens. Oh. Oh, my. This, he missed it right. What a gut punch to a team. Paul, that play after play, toward the end, fought its way back. Missed it by like a foot. All right, that's courtesy (laughs) of the Vikings Radio Network. Man, bump real quick before we get into this. I have to... I feel for the guy, Paul Allen, who's a play-by-play voice yeah. for the Minnesota Vikings. does a great job, along with Peter Bursich, the color man. It's tough, man, especially in Arizona. The broadcast angle where those booths are is not in a good location. It's in the top corner. From that vantage point, it's hard to differ- differentiate if it's good or not. That's why a lot of situations like that, 
Play-by-play guys usually wait, even though it's yeah. painful and everyone's like, why aren't they giving us a call? They wait to see that visual signal. Unfortunately, he jumped the gun, and you could just feel the pain in his voice. Oh, man, he went from the most excited dude <laughs> in the stadium to the most disappointed. Oh, that was a tough way to lose. Uh, the Vikings, man, two weeks in a row, heartbreak losses, but they've been in the game. That's why I look at this team, and I'm like, "That's this isn't a bad football team. They got some guys. Now, they played against Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray doesn't get the the love he deserves so far this year. Okay, he was 29-36, 400 yards, three touchdowns. Did have two interceptions, but he ran for 31 yards and another touchdown. Everybody was touching the ball, it felt like. He spread the wealth around to six different receivers who had three receptions each. Kyler Murray needs some more love. He needs some more respect. Kyler Murray is scary good right now, and, and it's he's in year three, and he's slowly figuring out that offense. It feels like the game is slowing down. And he just has those dynamic plays. I hate to compare him to Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson opened up the door for quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, and you just see those plays like in Tennessee. They couldn't get him down, flicking the wrist downfield. Uh, You can't keep him in the pocket, rolling out to his right, left. Doesn't matter. Kyler Murray is absolutely electric. Dalvin Cook, another good running back, rushed for over 1,400 yards last year, had 22 carries, 131 yards. Now, I just did a film session. You guys check that out. It should be on the Seahawks YouTube this week. And – Dalvin Cook and the run scheme for the Minnesota is impressive. They like that gap. They like to pull guards. They like to down block. They like to lead with the fullback. It's going to be another tough week when it comes to stopping the running backs. Dalvin Cook is a downhill runner, but he does have some wiggle, has some breakaway speed as well. Yeah, man, it's after a tough week. We'll get into this a little bit later. After a tough week stopping Derrick Henry last week for the Seahawks defense, they're going to have their work cut out for him. Dalvin Cook is a very talented back. And Mike Zimmer in the Vikings scheme and system is similar in the sense of what you've seen for Pete Carroll over the years. They're going to run the football. They're good at running football. They want to play good defense. So it'll be a good matchup there. Kirk Cousins, he turned out a pretty solid day, 244 yards with three touchdowns. As we mentioned earlier, the team's kind of traded field goals in the fourth. It was low-key a really good football game yes, it between was. the Cardinals and the Vikings. Vikings. Matt Prater hits a 27-yard field goal, giving Arizona the 34-33 lead with 425 left. The Vikings drove all the way down the field, and as you heard earlier, Joe Sisman with that 37-yard field goal, so it was a heartbreaker for the Vikings. But that being said, they're going to be jacked up, fired up, ready to go, because no one wants to start the season 0-3 despite a 17-game season. Heartbreak hotel two weeks in a <laughs> row for the Minnesota Vikings. I also want to point out, Kirk Cousins has not thrown an interception this year, Nassar Chobie, yep. and the Hawks have not recorded an interception on defense this year. Let's switch it up. All right, man, let's look at this head-to-head comparison. Head-to-head, man, the, the Seahawks. One and one, Vikings 0 and two. And if you look at this, Bump, I'm going to start on defense. It took a hit last week. Yeah. Again, it's hard to look the head to head in depth because we're only two weeks in the season, but the Seahawks fell to 30th in total defense, giving up 434 yards a game. A lot of that was because of what happened last weekend. Rest defense fell to 31st, giving up 162 on the ground. And pass defense fell to 22nd with 271 yards given up per game. Again, if you give up 500-plus yards to a team, your numbers are going to take a hit, especially with a small sample size. The other side of the ball, the Vikings also haven't played that great defensively in terms of stats. Um, They're giving up 420 yards of total offense. That's 28th in the league. Rush defense are giving up 126 yards on the ground, tied for 21st. And pass defense are giving up 294 yards a game, tied for, or excuse me, 26th in the league. So last week did not help their stat book as well. So it'll be interesting to see how these defenses bounce back. 
Two weeks in, both of these defenses are in the bottom third of the league when it comes to these stats. Now, where they excel a bit is on the offensive side. Total offense ranked for the Seahawks. They're 11th. Now, I think they're better than 11th. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, things happen. And the Vikings are 6th. When it comes to rush offense, the Seahawks are 19th. The Vikings are 11th. Pass offense, the Seahawks are 10th. And the Vikings are 8th. Pretty even. It looks like these teams are evenly matched, right? They're both towards the bottom on defense, both around the middle to the top of the pack on offense. Another thing they have in common, penalty woes, okay? You have to get rid of these penalties. Last week, the Seahawks had 10 penalties for 100 yards for the season. They have 17 penalties for 153. Right behind them, the Vikings have 15 penalties for 132. So both coaches are going into this week, and they're saying, let's clean this stuff up. Yeah, you, I mean, that's one thing that you talk to any coach, especially Pete Carroll, you cannot be penalized. He spoke of that at length this week and after the game that we just can't do that, especially those are penalties, a lot of which happen that can be avoided. You know, late hits on the quarterback, the taunting one, we've talked about that. We're not going to get into that. That's off the table. There's other penalties that can easily be stopped. I think both coaches feel the same way, and that has to get cleaned up as we go into this week. All right, let's look into the history. Know your history. Know your history. All right, the Seahawks lead the all-time series 12 to 5 over the Minnesota Vikings. And the last meeting bump, man, this was an this was a crazy game, game at Lumen Field last year. Unfortunately, there's no fans there to experience this crazy comfort behind victory. Last season, the Seahawks beat the Vikings 27 to 26. The Seahawks have won the last six matchups against the Vikings. Wow. It feels like we play them every year. We play them the last 3. But in that last meeting, um, the Seahawks couldn't get much going in the first half, trailing 13 to nothing. The Vikings stormed back, scoring three straight touchdowns to take a 21-13 lead, or the Seahawks did. Then the Vikings answered with two more scores of their own but got stopped on a big two-point conversion attempt and then bump. If you remember this last final drive. You know I remember. Woo! The Vikings kick off to the Seahawks. Seahawks were trailing 26-21 with 157 on the clock with the ball on their own six-yard line. Somehow, Russell Wilson, DK Tyler, they get things going. The Seahawks were up against a fourth and 10. Russell throws up a prayer, DK Metcalf on the sideline for 39 yards. The Seahawks continue to drive, drive all the way down to the Viking six-yard line, went three straight incompletions, but faced this fourth and goal with 15 seconds remaining. Russell, look out. He's going to fire inside, reaching up, making a catch. Does he hang on? He does. It's a touchdown. <laughs> It's a touchdown Seahawks, and it's Metcalf who reaches up and makes the catch, crossing the field, making the catch in the middle of the end zone, and Russell finds him and throws a dart. And we all waited to see who it was, Dave, that made the catch, because it could have been anybody, but it was Metcalf going to the ground. Perfect pass by Russ, and absolutely no doubt about it, Russell Wilson comes back for his 34th career fourth quarter or overtime comeback and Seattle now leads 27-26 that game was unreal bump what do you remember about that man I remember one we were some of the lucky few who were in the stadium we're in the suite we had a perfect view of that last drive they were going towards the north end zone we were in the south end zone we saw it all go down yeah DK Metcalf come up with two crucial plays on fourth down and I remember thinking DK's here now he, he has arrived. It's raining. It's wet out there. He's still making these tough passes. And, you know, getting to those four downs was stressful. But Russell did what Russell usually does, leads him down the field for a game with a touchdown. Like Steve Rabel said, that was his 34th time doing it. I hope it doesn't come to that this week. 
Nope. I would like to play how the Seahawks played in week one, comfortable, not getting your heart rate up, not pacing, not back and forth. Stay up big, keep winning big, but the Seahawks have played the Vikings a ton last couple years. We'll hope the trend continues the Seahawks way as it's going. But, man, the NFC West, boy, that's a bad division. What's the word? And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? What's the word? Seattle's 1-1, one and, one and they are last in the division right now. That's how good this division is. The Rams are 2-0. Cardinals 2-0. Niners are 2-0. We've said this a million times. The NFC West is the best division in football. If the Hawks were able to beat the Tennessee Titans, they, the whole division as a whole would have been 8-0. Let's focus on some of these teams. Now, the Rams beat the Colts in a close 27-24 matchup. Now, Carson Wentz went out late in the game. We got to see a local kid, Lake Stevens, stand out. U-Dub stand out. Jacob Eason had a chance off the bench to be the hero, but he threw an interception. I saw that interception. It was such a rookie throw. Uh. He tried to throw a corner into a deep coverage look. That corner dropped right into the zone, picked it off. It was easy pickings, I believe, that was – I don't know who the corner was. I just know that it was a bad read. He looked like a rookie right there. Now, Matthew Stafford turned in an okay performance, 19 of 30, 278 yards, and two touchdowns, one interception. But my guy, Cooper Cup. Oh, man. boy. Yeah, he's one of my favorite receivers. Every chance I get to talk about him, I'm going to do it. Nine receptions, 163 yards, two touchdowns. He's getting better. Cooper That's Cup is getting – he looks faster. I'm like, where would this speed come from? What's, what's your offseason workout look like? Cooper Cup and those Rams are looking good right now. Yeah, Cooper's scary, man. They still got those weapons over there. Now, it was – the Rams obviously win the game. They have a big stop late. They didn't look as explosive outside of Cooper Cup as they had done in previous weeks. I believe Henderson only rushed for like 60 yards. Um, Stafford was – you know, I mean, it wasn't – by no means was it a bad game at no, all. Not at all. 278 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But there's some chinks in the armor, man. They they looked, I, won't, I don't want to say vulnerable, but it wasn't as good as they looked in week one. However, it wins a win. That's all it counts in the record column. So the Rams out to a good start. Now, also in the division, the 49ers. So they kind of want an ugly game, but I'm not going to lie to you. 17 to 11 over the Eagles last Sunday. When you look at the box score, when you look at the kind of condensed replay, nothing really jumps out. Uh, Jimmy G, 22 for 30, 189 yards, one touchdown, also ran for a touchdown. He's a mobile quarterback. He's running for touchdowns. Hey, he ran for like five first downs, bro. <laughs> so he, he was doing something right. But the main thing to me, Bump, was Trey Lance watched every snap from the mm -hmm. sidelines. Are you surprised by that? I'm not surprised. If you're winning and Jimmy G is like, look, you got Trey Lance. Don't forget me. I'm mobile, okay? I can pick up first downs too. They're going to bring on Trey Lance slowly. Now, at this point, Honestly, I thought that we would be seeing a little bit more Trey Lance. We've seen him a little bit the first the first week. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it, even if it's ugly. A win is a win. These Niners are 2-0, and and Jimmy G's having an okay season. So I don't, I'm not surprised. Yeah, there's no reason to rush a rookie along in his second week if you're winning ballgames. And, you know, Jimmy G gets a lot of flack. I know there's a lot of questions about whether or not he was going to be replaced even by week three or if he was going to start the year. He's calm, cool, collected. You know, he's a good-looking dude. He's out there like, I'm confident I'm 
the starter. Things are going well for them. They didn't run the ball particularly well. I know George Kittle talked about last week that they're the best running team in the National Football League, or at least in the NFC West. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. But they're really banged up at running back. They've yeah. lost a ton of players. It seems like any running back they plug in there is pretty good and, and is okay anyway. So it'll be interesting to see. We'll get a chance to catch up with those boys in San Francisco here pretty soon. Yes, we will. We already talked about the Cardinals, man. Those dudes look explosive. A.J. Green is great in the red zone. Hopkins is doing his thing. Uh, Chase Edmonds looks good, man. Yeah. And they got another guy, Rondell, I believe Moore. his name is. Rondell Moore. They look good. I look at this offense, and I'm like – Arizona ain't getting enough pub, man. You got to be careful. But we're not talking about Arizona. We're talking about the Vikings. Let's look at some of these matchups. Man up. Hey, who man's is this? Who man's is this? Man up. Man up. Man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. As we do every week, we look at the key matchup the Seahawks will be facing this Sunday. And you can't look any farther than the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins, man, in his career bump, he's just been a lightning rod for criticism since he's entered the league and became a starter. You know, he's typically done well in the regular season but has a stigma for not doing well in the big game. You know, I feel like he's kind of changed that narrative. 2019 with a wild card win in the playoffs over the New Orleans Saints. They didn't make the playoffs last year. But, Bump, here's a stat that I want to throw to you, man. This is crazy. The longest streak of consecutive games with a 90-plus passer rating in NFL history, okay? This is – I'm going to name read off a couple names. Okay. Number one, Peyton Manning. He had 23 of those games from 2012 to 2013. That's very expected. Everyone knows that. Number three is Peyton Manning at 15 in 2004. And tied for number three is Steve Young at 15 in 1994, 1995. But you know who's number two on that list? Who's that? Kirk Cousins, from last year to right wow. now, he has had 16 straight games with a 90-plus passer rating. So say what you want. He might not be as flashy as some other guys. People got angry when he got paid, all that guaranteed money. But the guy's playing pretty good football. I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, he's a good football player. Bob. You know what I can say? You like that, don't you? <laughs> you like that, Kirk Cousins, man. He is like public enemy number one. Him and Jimmy, I feel like no one wants to believe in him, but they just win ball games. And now you're telling me stats where he's mentioned with Steve Young and all these other guys. That is crazy. But you and I have been around long enough to know that Kurt is going to keep them in the game. He might not win the game, but he will keep them in the game. And these receivers are looking good right now. Jefferson looks good. Thielen looks good. You got Osborne, who, who's hit the scene now. You got a running back. He's surrounded by some talent. So it surprises me. But it doesn't surprise me about Mr. Kirk Cousins. All right, another matchup, Dalvin Cook versus the Seahawks front seven. We know what this guy can do in 2021. He has 42 carries for 192 yards and one touchdown. Last week was his bounce back game, 22 carries, 131 yards. I just like this running scheme. The big Ray was here. I mean, he would have a lot of great things to say about it. They play power football. They're going to pull guards. They're going to lead with fullbacks. They're going to get bodies on bodies so Dalvin Cook can open this thing up and do his thing. It's going to take a community, just like it did last mm -hmm. week. If you, can, if you can hone in on what the Hawks did that first half and bring this to this Vikings game, they should be okay. But if they don't rally to the football, if they don't tackle, if they, they do not read their keys, it could be a long day. And the thing about that, Bum, is that stuff happens so quick. You can play a great half of football like we saw the Seahawks play in the front seven against the run against the Titans, but one little breakdown here. Yep. One little breakdown here. Now they get confidence. Now they start doing stuff. Hey, here's where you screwed up. We're going to come back with this. We're going to hit you with a counter. We're going to hit you with this. So they need to stay disciplined. And it was talked about a lot 
you know, between whether it was Pete, whether it was Bobby Wagner, whether it was Jamal Adams, when they spoke after the game, it's about gap integrity. Yep. If your job is the B gap or the A gap, you need to have that gap. If your job on the play is force or secondary force, you have to do that. I mean, and that's how things break down because it's team defense. And when you face a good running back like Dalvin Cook, if 10 guys do their job but one doesn't, that's when you get in trouble. So the Seahawks have a lot to work on because it's going to be a tough opponent. We know they can do it, though. That's, yep. a, great, that's a great thing. Bobby Wagner is your, your leader on defense from all Adams, Quandre Diggs. There's guys that can get that done. So I'm excited to see what this matchup looks like against Dalvin Cook. All right, next matchup. We're going to go DJ Reed and Trey Flowers versus Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and K.J. Osborne. Now, Thielen, Justin Jefferson is rubbing off on Thielen. I know Thielen is the guy who's been there for a while, but I saw Thielen score a touchdown and do the dance that, oh, hey, that Jefferson does. Hey. He's got his chain out. They, I guarantee you they believe and hype each other up like we are one of the best duels in the league, and I ain't mad at him for thinking that. All right, Justin Jefferson had a huge rookie campaign with 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns, 88 receptions. So far this year, he's had, he has 11 receptions for 136 yards and one touchdown. Thielen is doing his thing. He is so good in the red zone, man. He goes and gets that football. He works the back of the end zone. This year he has 15 receptions, 131 yards, three touchdowns. But K.J. Osborne, the second-year player, has emerged in 2021. He leads the Vikings in receiving with 12 receptions, 176 yards, one big 64-yard touchdown last week. Now, he had to make the play, but that was just a bust on the defense. Yep. That corner thought he had safety help over the top. It looked like a cover two look. Safety was not over the top. He stayed in the seam against Justin Jefferson. But Osborne did a good job of getting outside of that corner, getting down the sideline, and catching the easy football. Good pass from Kirk Cousins. Yeah, these guys, I mean – the Seahawks are going to start getting into some of these spans where they just have good receiver combo after good receiver combo. You had a tough one last week with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. We know what they can do. This trio is, is something special. Justin Jefferson is going to be here to stay for a long time. Yep. He's eventually going to be a perennial all-pro type player. So DJ Reed and Trey Flowers, you know, in evaluating them and how they've played, they've played solid. I mean, they haven't they haven't done much to wow you, but they made some plays. They broke up some plays in the end zone. The one glaring thing that came out of last week is when Flowers got beat on that fit that fifty-one yard go ball. And the thing about Flowers, he's always in position. He's just got to make the play. That that's the difference. And it's going to be a tough uh, tough matchup this week. But I got faith in those guys. It's just about making the plays when they're there to be made. They'll need some help underneath and underneath coverage because sometimes when you see a ball get completed on a corner. Doesn't mean it was his fault. Doesn't mean. It might be that they're playing cover three, and they are giving that up. That's just the scheme of the defense that was called in that play. Sometimes they're playing a little bit more aggressive, bump and run, so it's hard to differentiate every play if it was so-and-so's fault. But they're playing okay football. I just want to see them take the next step this weekend and take the football away. I want, I want you guys to look at now that the Vikings are going to do some motion before the snap. They're going to move the tight end have some unbalanced look. If you don't see anybody running with that tight end, that means it is a zone. So in zone, your job is to keep everything in front of you. So if you see a zone look and footballs are caught in front of these guys, that's a plus. You want to keep things in front of you. Absolutely. Well, let's get in the next matchup. Chris Carson against this Vikings front seven. Carson, he did have two touchdowns last week, but only had 31 yards on 13 carries. This is huge for me. I think this is going to be one of the biggest keys of the game. They need to get this guy going early. Yeah. 13 carries is not enough, in my opinion. Um, and it's about establishing the run early. And when you hear establish the run, that doesn't mean giving the ball 37 times no. and run on first and second down every time. It's getting into a flow and going into it and, and 
and starting early because what happens when you go to it early, you start to wearing these guys down and you start to set stuff up. You're like, hey, we've been showing this look all, all time. Let's do a design cutback. Let's get into this. Let's toss. Let's do this action. So if you don't establish a run when you need to sustain a drive in the fourth quarter, maybe it's a four-minute drill and you haven't been able to run the football, it's really hard to sustain drives because the defense is going to make you one-dimensional. So it's really important this week to get Chris Carson going, Bum. You said something important. Wear them down. And you got to have a certain back to wear defenses down, a back that's going to fall forward, that's going to meet force with force. Guess what? 32 does that. He will wear you down. He will lower that shoulder pad. He's also good at the backfield. I think this week the focus has to be, okay, we got to get Chris Carson the ball. He needs to touch it at least 20 times in a run game, another five or six with dump offs and check downs. Got to get this man the football. The Vikings defense is 21st in the league against the run. All right, in two games they're allowing 126 yards per game. That is encouraging. Chris Carson, let's get him going. All right, another matchup, Seahawks offense as a whole. They need to be more consistent, all right? They came out hot, sputtered in the second half, only had one touchdown in the second half. They have to be able to sustain drives when the game is on the line. Every scoring drive was a long play, or a 60-something yard touchdown, three-play drive, four-play drive. Let's put together some 10-play drives. Absolutely, and that's the other thing, too. Like, even Alton Robinson caused a fumble, then Chris Carson punched it in. The big explosive plays, don't get me wrong, don't hear us say that and be like, oh, you guys don't want them to score 68-yard touchdowns? Of course. Of course we do. But we also want to see drives to replace some of those three and outs. Even if you don't score, go 40 or 50 yards, flip the field position, give your defense a break, and just sustain drives like we know they're capable of. They do so much good motion stuff that we've seen from them, we saw in week one. So you just need to dictate to those that Vikings defense. And the other thing, man, they just have to be better on third down. 4 of 12 is not really what we want to see, so I'm looking forward to that. Better on third down, sustain these drives, wear these dudes out. All right, and they're not bad on offense, right? They're tied for eight scoring, 29 points per game, uh, but they got to be where Daniel Hunter. Last week, excuse me, Daniel Hunter, yeah, last week had against Arizona had seven pressures, four hurries, three sacks, and seven tackles. Now, guys are going to make plays. Of course. This is the NFL. But you can't have a guy just dominate a ball game. That's what you don't want to have. So, Seahawks offense, let's get back to doing what you did first week in the first half of week two. What's the path to victory? At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Half the victory. How will these Seahawks get back in the win column? I'll tell you exactly how they're going to get back in the win column. Stop the run and play discipline. Pete Carroll defenses are always good at stopping the run. That's what they do. They need to flush the second half from last week, get back after during practice this week, and stop a talented back like Dalvin Cook. Bumpy alluded to all the things that they want to do, pulling guards, leading with fullbacks, gaps, all that stuff. The Seahawks, they know what they need to do. They got some dogs in there, okay, whether it's, you got Bobby Wagner, obviously. You got Jordan Brooks in up front. Al Woods, Puna Ford. You have guys that are making plays. They just need to be consistent, stay disciplined in their gap, their run fits, and that, that includes when Jamal Adams comes down, when we're a nickel, all that stuff. 
Stay disciplined, stop the run, and that'll set them up for success. Stop the run and get after this quarterback. After a great week one, the pass rush was not consistent enough. Now, you have to hit Kirk Cousins. You have to force him to make bad decisions. So far, he hasn't made any bad decisions. He has no turnovers this week. You have to force him into interceptions. Take the ball away. You want to help your offense out like you did last week. You caused a forced fumble, put the offense within the five. Boom, Chris Carson punches it in. Short fields are good for the offense, long fields are good for the defense. Absolutely. And let's get into rhythm offensively. We alluded to it just a second ago. The big explosive pla- uh, flash plays we love, and those are great, and we want those to continue to happen. But we need to be able to sustain, or the Seahawks need to be able to stay in long drives and establish that run with Chris Carson. That's a good way to do that, mix and match. They need to get into rhythm. When they are, are in a rhythm, this offense is scary good. And you got to get DK involved. DK had 11 targets last week, but none really down the field. They kept him underneath the coverage, lots of slants, hitches, or whatnot going across the field in shallows. It's time for DK to have a breakout game. Now, the focus of the Minnesota defense is going to be on Lockett. They're not going to ignore number 14, but it's time to see number 14 with that blue hair, with that nose ring and the earrings. Let him do what he does and bounce back this week. It's time to go one and on the week. You win this game, you're two and one. You're back on track. Let's get it done. Absolutely. Looking forward to a great game this Sunday. Reminder, guys, subscribe to the Seahawks Podcast Radio Network. We got a ton of good content out there. Seahawks Insiders with Jen Mueller and John Boyle. The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps. Hawks Live with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Uh, Seahawks Stories, new podcast with Robert Terman, new in 2020. And catch us after every single Seahawks game with the Seahawks Rewind. Hear instant analysis right after the game with the Seahawks Radio Network. Catch player interviews, reactions from Bump, Moyer, Roberts, and Turbin. Bump, it's going to be fun this weekend. I'm, I can't wait for the Seahawks to get back on the field, kind of avenge what happened last week and get right back in the win column. Let's get going. Get back in that win column. Hawk Talk Preview Week 3 is over. The Seahawks go to Minnesota to face the Vikings. Thanks for listening. I am Michael Bumpus. He is Nash Chobie. We will talk to you soon.